Hey y'all, welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank and I'm with Jonathan. Hey, hey y'all. And we're back after two weeks off. Hey. I was under the weather and I was like, ah, I don't feel like trying to <laughs> try to get you guys recorders. Geeks is all on board, but I was like, oh man. Now I got a typo, I'm sick, but I forget that. <laughs> <laughs> so we are back and good to go. Uh how you were just at Disneyland. How was that, man? I was. That was so much fun. I wish we stayed longer. There yeah. was a lot to see. Uh, my son's only two, so there's a lot of rides he couldn't go on, but we went on just about everything he could go on, and I yeah. went on a few extras. But yeah, it was a blast. I'm ready to go back. First time seeing uh, the Avengers Campus and Galaxy's Edge. Any thoughts? Galaxy's Edge was amazing. I would if if I didn't have a small child with me or other people that I need to like, you know, spend time with. I would just <laughs> hang out in that area probably the whole day. Um, yeah, there's a lot to see. It's so immersive. They did a good job of making it feel like you're in a different world when you go in there. Uh, the Avengers Campus was a little disappointing. It was, really? wasn't was as, as big as I thought it was. A lot of people were excited to go over there and just take pictures with the building and stuff. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't as big as I thought it was going to be. The Spider-Man ride was a ton of fun, though. It's similar mm. to the Buzz Lightyear and a Toy Story ride where you're, you're moving around and shooting at a screen. Uh, but it was fun. Uh, but aside from that, there wasn't much to do there. There was a massive store. The Avengers store, I think, was bigger than anything else Avengers, which is a little disappointing. Like, Disney's just, you know, reaching in our pockets. Uh, but overall, I thought it was a lot of fun and liked it. I'm looking forward to checking it out. Hopefully this November I could see it. Uh, yeah, I mean, Galaxy's Edge sounds like it's just freaking magical. The way everybody yeah. describes it, you know. So Yeah, and I did see the Mandalorian, you know, person walking around. And then later on TikTok, I saw somebody that was there around the same time as me, and they saw the Mandalorian and Boba Fett like meet up in the park, and they stop and they you know shake shake hands and talk to each other for a little bit, and then they take a picture of the kids and stuff. It's like, oh, man, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Did you see? Uh, does Grogu move? Like it, he has like Grogu in a pouch. Yeah, it looked like it. It could have been just him manipulating him with like a string or something like that, yeah. but it looks like it looks like he moves a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Turns his head. Man, that is dope. I, I can't wait to go over there and check it out. Yeah. All right. So our question for the week, guys, by the way, reminder, we put all these questions of the weeks now on Instagram and Twitter, and then we'll share some of the responses. This one got a lot of responses for us, so we're going to only share a few. Um, the question is, what's the most underrated sci-fi or fantasy book or movie? Uh, so many options here. I'm going to start off real quick with just straight up cheating and saying saga, because of course, if you listen to this podcast, you know, we're big fans of saga. But I really feel like this is an HBO worthy series. And uh, the fact that it's, I haven't even heard of being purchased by one of the big companies kind of blows me away. Yeah. It is incredibly right. cool. It is a little edgy. So, you know, I think HBO is the one that, that would be best to take it. But yeah. someday, I think it's going to take a little time, maybe some more uh, exposure and they'll pick it up. But definitely, I'd love to see this in a series. Like, but they have to do it right. No, um, Avatar, Last Airbender movie style, where you just ruin a franchise by making a terrible movie. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but that'd be that'd be awesome. What do you think? Uh, my pick, my pick is In Time, the a movie yeah. that came out 2011. Justin Timberlake and Amanda Seyfried. I don't remember, mm -hmm. but <laughs> uh, and the guy I have his name here. If I could say it, Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy, baby, from Peaky Blinders. Yeah, there you go. I'm like, he's on so much good stuff. He is. Um, anyways, such an awesome movie where, you know, your your time 
the amount of time you have in life is used as currency. Yeah. So when you're born, you have a certain amount of time preloaded at 10 years old, I think, is when your clock starts ticking. And you have to, you know, trade. You, you trade your work for time. You get paid by minutes on your clock. And it's displayed on your on your arm, on your forearm, uh, in like a green digital display. Yeah. And you, like, kind of do a, a handshake to be able to exchange time. Or you can scan and upload uh, different ways. But it's just such a interesting world the way these people were kind of the, everybody was genetically modified to have this trait and it shows you know uh classism and this social really structure it's just, of classism in this because like the rich people just have like straight nines and it's like yeah. it's ticking down but it's something they don't even give a shit about well poor people are like i've got enough for this weekend i might be able to make i'm gonna make it till monday at 2 p.m so let me, yeah. you know let me see what i could do i gotta kind of scratch some money up something like that it's crazy one of the most impactful scenes in the movie and because you your your life is based on the time on your arm you don't age once you hit 25 something like that you don't age anymore so his mom looks like the same age as him yeah which is really really cool uh justin timberlake will solace in the movie uh but one of the most impactful scenes is they they're they're working poor they both have jobs and they barely make it oh my god (laughs) (laughs) they barely make it day to day his mom somehow misses the bus oh no she doesn't have enough money for the bus yeah and so she's like well i gotta run home you know my son just got paid today he's gonna he's gonna give me another another day yeah a few hours by the way it's not money ever it's all time which is the crazy part like you have to yeah take 15 minutes off your life to be able to ride the bus kind of thing yeah 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 and every day you get these these poor people get paid enough just to live for the next day and mm-hmm. go to work so they get they're literally gonna die if they miss a day of work and so she, she misses the bus or can't afford the bus and she, uh he's waiting for her to get home and realizes she's not home on time and he starts running her direction she starts running his direction they're both gonna meet up as soon as they could touch hands he can give her some more time to live and they don't make it seconds from reaching she collapses in his arms frozen dead yeah because she ran out of time like oh my god that's such a uh, such a i forgot how perfect dude. that freaking movie <laughs> just a uh, timberlake what the hell right? you don't have any you don't have the right to make such a good movie <laughs> yeah and so so this scene this moment is is you know traumatic for him and and yeah. eye-opening and he's like you know what i don't nothing else matters anymore i'm gonna just uh, uh make justice and be robin hood pretty much yeah. so he goes and he he gets lucky meeting a, a rich man who's depressed and whatnot uh, but yeah, it's oh, uh, Henry Cavill actually yeah. is the rich man that's depressed it on a bridge and gives him you know a century. You're dropping names, John. I forgot that both Killian Murphy and Henry Cavill are in this movie. That's pretty nuts, dude. I mean, if they wanted to make a series out of this, don't just make a movie. That's oh, not enough. That's make a great idea. Make a series. This should be yeah. a really good series. All right, I, I'm just already going to add it to the list for challenge accepted. I think I'm going to surprise. Oh yeah, Thomas, you're welcome to join us on that one, man. You're you're always yeah, welcome to join uh, us. Such a good movie. I'd, I'd probably, yeah. Probably I haven't join seen that in so long. My God. Okay. That's a good one. Now, <laughs> that was so good. So let me, let me read some of our responses here. Uh, Thornbreak, uh, who he actually runs the uh, ElfQuest podcast and a lot of the community over there. He suggested ElfQuest, and which is not necessarily underrated, in my opinion. It's underknown. It's the very first comic book I ever read. And if you guys don't know, ElfQuest, fantastic comic book, originally started in the 80s. And the first, like, entire quest, which is, like 500, 600 pages long, all free. They give it away for free because they're such cool, awesome indie creators. Please go check out ElfQuest. Here's here's a movie for you, John. Explorers. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Explorers where three kids build a, a spaceship in like the behind the old theater? No. Yeah, it is I don't remember super that at all. <laughs> forgotten from the 80s, man. 
one of those movies where like did i watch that did it really exist <laughs> i got a thing bridge of birds a novel about ancient china that never was that was suggested and then a lot of likes on it so it, it picked up pretty big a couple of these added on on my list this is by barry uh hoggart we have the way of the shadow this is from scott he actually is one of our moderators but he said it's a night angel trilogy and it's pretty fantastic uh she could fly suggested by professor frenzy um he suggests that one and then we have the beetle a mystery this is by richard martian it was suggested by uh jordy nerd um i like these names by the way <laughs> here we go this is what we were talking about just before we start pressing record scott rogers suggested prospect with uh, pedro pascal a movie i have never heard of and it came out in like yeah. what 2019 you were saying uh, yeah i think so uh, 2018 or something like I, I didn't hear anything about it, but just kind of browsing through different movies online, I saw a picture and I was like, wait, Pedro Pascal in space, that looks good. I mean, we've seen that before. I want to see it again. And then, uh, yeah, I started reading about it. It's like, I got to watch this movie. How do we not hear about some of these, I you know, know, great looking movies? Maybe it was lower budget or something like that. And so when I looked at the screenshots, the polish, though, I was like, but... that don't look that low budget. Nowadays, low budget's not too bad yeah. anymore, but true. Yeah. Uh, Tencent takes really good show, guys. Uh, super supportive. They suggest Conan the Barbarian, the new version of Conan the Barbarian. This is the 2099 version. It's got uh, it's like sci-fi mixed with fantasy. It's a little bit of both. That 2099 run too is always very good. Um, and then I'll just say one more. We got uh, Nick McDonald suggests uh, Richard Cowdery's uh, Sandman Slim, the novel. There are probably about 40 suggestions on our Twitter. You guys go over there and check them out. There's some really cool ones. And uh, I definitely have added some stuff to my Amazon wish list. So uh, please check those out. That's pretty cool. One more I wanted to mention I forgot yes. was Pacific Rim. We talked about it a little yeah. bit earlier. I love that movie. The sequel wasn't as good as the original, but still very good. So if you haven't seen those, go check them out. He just Elba, enough said. Yeah, <laughs> right? He just Elba. He's so freaking cool. <laughs> and Charlie Day. He's, uh, he's hilarious. He is, and he's like so out of nowhere in that movie. He's going to be our new yeah. Luigi, guys. By the way, if you call the Mario number, it still works. And you can hear Charlie Day being like, hey, this is Mario and Luigi. <laughs> have you heard? Have you tried that out yet? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I love That's it. So it's funny. so funny. Oh, oh my man. God. <laughs> we can't come over right now. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about some of the news, guys. Uh, first up, there's a leaked Scooby-Doo and DC movie that just, just got out there. This is Scooby-Doo and Crypto 2. And what's important about this movie is one of four movies in a series for Scooby-Doo that was cut because Warner Brothers was like, well, it's cheaper to take the tax write-off, right? We've heard this before. And somebody found it in the studio and was like, screw that. I like this movie and leaked it out to everybody. Some shady nice. justice. Is it, do you think that's an unintentional leak or an intentional leak by the studio? They could say, oh, we didn't try to release it, but somebody stole it and snuck it out. And now all of our fans get to enjoy it and we get notoriety from it. If, yeah, if I believed that they were nice, then I would say that's the well, case, no, they, right? It's, it's the... It's the free PR we're talking about their mm -hmm. studio right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of think it was just somebody who was like, Hey, I worked really hard on making the sound sound right on this thing. So I want to get it out there. That kind of thing. I'm not yeah. too sure. And of course, a lot of people who hear this are like, Oh, Batgirl as well. Cause Batgirl got cut because of this whole, like it's cheaper to just cut the taxes. Um, yeah. I don't know. Do you think this is fair? I, I, I kind of like, yeah, go for it. Keep stealing from WB. If you're going to leak it to everybody. Well, I think if WB is going to lock up their stuff and throw it away, then yeah, that's, that's wrong and you know people put a lot of effort into it so yeah you get paid for your work but also you should be recognized for the effort for your work yeah for your art you know 
So, and the people that are getting paid, like, like actors in movies get uh, residuals. They get paid over time as it airs again and again. So do these people not get paid what they would have if the studio decided to release the movie? Residual wise, you know no, I mean? you're very right in that point. That's a really good point. I didn't think so about that. They're getting a tax credit, but they're stealing from their employees pretty much. Yeah, because when employees signs that contract, they have an assumption that like, well, I'll still be paid down the line because of this or that, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I see a lawsuit coming with that kind of stuff. They're they're just doing some shady business. Especially if they could I, I don't know if they've acknowledged the fact that, you know, we'll just hang on to it for tax purposes, but it's obvious that that's what's going on. You're not withholding it because it was a really bad idea or it was offensive or one of the yeah. main characters went out and did something that, that, you know, makes the company look bad or anything like that. So what's your justification for not releasing, you know, these movies? Their whole thing is that they, it's just cheaper to make sure that you write off as a tax thing, which to me is like, you're in the creative business. Like it's just such yeah. a shady way to go about your business. And it should be illegal to use a loophole when you're using a loophole in the tax system, you should have to like stay hush hush about it, not say, "Hey yeah. guys, we're gonna go ahead and <laughs> cheat the system." <laughs> yeah. Like you know, I don't know. That's just not in not a right, way. I fair. think aren't we paying paying for that loophole to exist then? Because if they're gonna be able to take the loss on it, then doesn't it come out of taxpayer money? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. They they pay less in taxes as a corporation because so of that loophole. It. So it puts more of that tax burden on us. WB, you guys suck. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the WB, they had one of the shows canceled was Batman Caped Crusader. This is basically the Batman animated series. Bruce Tim, the guy that made that show, I was like, I'm going to make a new one, but it's going to be just straight up focused on adults now for adults. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They canceled this thing, but Amazon went ahead and bought it and oh, nice. are going to release two seasons of it for now. Amazon, by the way, guys, is like surprisingly this animation domination place. It's super good for like Invincible, all kinds of really good stuff. And I think this is a good home. What could a more adult version of the Batman animated series look like, Jalen? Uh, I mean, I don't want to go as far as, but I, I thinking adult animation, uh, I like Rick and Morty, but I'm thinking of uh, Drawn Together. You remember how rough and edgy that show oh, was? Jesus, yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't want to go that far, obviously, but there's room somewhere in between here and there that can be, you know, you'd see Batman does kill people sometimes or something like that. I don't know if mm. they'd want to change his character, but to, to make it, edgy like or or the villains you know people do die i think, because I think of, the crimes might be worse like what if there's sexual assault and batman has yeah, to deal with somebody yeah, yeah. who survived sexual assault like we don't yeah. see that anywhere else but amazon would handle it bruce tim would probably tackle it and yeah. you know god and somebody who sees oh this is a batman story someone who kills that? their their sexual assaulter and what do you do like you're like yeah good on you <laughs> you know because we've seen in kids movies batman is faced with black and white most of the time yeah it's always the joker's gonna kill a bunch of people or this person's you know gonna fall to their death or whatever but there's not a lot of that walking the fine line in, in, inside batman does he walks that line of do i kill the joker or do i hinder him or get him in prison or whatever but we don't see it in the city and you know more exposed to like the crimes and whether or not this is a good thing or a bad thing so yeah i think you're right that'll be more more exposed as the the true and sad struggles that people see all the time now. Yeah. And then it's seeing Batman have to uh, deal with that dilemma of like, when is the law not the right option? You know, that's definitely gonna yeah. something that's going to come up. I look forward to it. Cause Bruce Tim and his work with just the restrictions of, Hey, ask me for kids <laughs> still made some yeah. of the most, you know, wonderful uh, stories. 
I remember. Uh, Jenna Ortega. John, have you watched Wednesday on Netflix? I have not. Same. Uh, yeah. It, everybody says it's good. I've never been a huge Adams Family fan anyways. I, I don't know. I have some other gripe with it, but in general, I just haven't watched it yet. I don't really plan on it, but I don't know. I'm hoping it's good. I, I, yeah. If it continues to be good, I'll probably watch it, but I figured it's going to fizzle out and move on. It's it's what big. It's already got the second season. Yeah. I, I am an Adams Family fan, but there's so much stuff to watch. I don't have time yet. I will watch it eventually. Yeah. Jenna Ortega, who is the main from the show, she's playing Wednesday Adams. She's mm-hmm. in talks right now to join Beetlejuice 2 with Michael Keaton and Winona Ryder. She'd be like Winona Ryder's daughter. Um, of course, Winona was it. Lydia from the first show, from the first movie. Yeah, if they do that, then I got to go back and watch it. I got to follow the scroll screen <laughs> if that's the case. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to pass up on a Beetlejuice movie. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, Beetlejuice. I'm like afraid of that mess and that up. They don't need to make sequels all the time, but that being said, Michael Keaton's playing Beetlejuice again, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of awesome. I, don't, I just hope they don't mess it up, yeah. you know? It's it's a dilemma between should there be a sequel or a remake or a different story entirely in that world? Those are, yeah. you know, generally the three options to me. And I like the idea of a different, you know, same world, same environment and stuff, but just a different story with different main characters. Right. But... I don't know. Yeah, I think a sequel or a remake, we would still like it. It's just you can you're afraid that they're going to kind of ruin the thing that you love. So it's hard. You got to be careful with it. But have it vetted too, like that Sonic movie. How Sonic didn't look right and they changed it. You know, have people check it out when you're in your second or third stage of the process, not close to done, and be ready to make some changes. Yeah, I, I when it's when it's that important. If they want to send us screeners, we'll give them a quick first pass and let them know how it is and then they, they can go off of our opinion. I think that's our best bet, really. Exactly. <laughs> John, you were just in Disneyland. Well, Bob Iger, the CEO who returned last year, just at the end of last year, has said, you guys are right, we increased the prices at Disneyland way too much. So they've been reducing the prices since November and they plan on reducing them even more. And they said that we increased price without increasing value and so what they want to do is wait until they add more to the park including the avatar world that they're working on right now before they ever try to worry about increasing prices again do you feel like the prices are at a good spot what is it that that disneyland's missing the mark on right now honestly so the prices seemed about the same as when i went seven years ago yeah i don't think they were much more it was i i could be off on the numbers a little bit but it was a roughly a hundred dollars per person per park Mm -hmm. uh or, or you know per person per day for a regular single park ticket and then I was thinking it was like 120 or something like that for the park hopper. That is, a, it was that is like a lot one... cheaper than it was like a year ago. So yeah, Bob Iger said yeah. he reduced the prices back in November. That sounds like it because that feels like it's way cheaper than it was. Because that's about what I yeah. paid like five years ago. And with inflation and like that, like that's pretty good. They're going to get you on the corn dogs, folks. Don't, don't get me wrong. But the, to be fair, I didn't book it through Disney. I booked it through Costco yeah. and got a, a package deal. So that brings it down a little bit. But I think we paid one sixty five or something like that per person for the park hopper passes. Mm-hmm. So with the Genie Plus in it. So yeah, it yeah. really didn't seem like it was much more. The and the park was great. I love like it's so immersive. They do a good job. I, it kind of reminds me like when you're on a cruise ship and like everything is you know there for you. You walk into this Disneyland. It the whole world in there. My wife would even talk about how like it seems like the air in here is different. The yeah. sky looks like it's painted on the ceiling and like. It just feels like this whole world you're in is made for you, for, you know, children to be 
entertained and and have fun so yeah they they do a good job at immersing you and you don't see like garbage on the ground or uh spots they didn't paint very well or something like that like they pay attention to the fine details and that i think that makes a big difference i was watching a tick i watch a lot of tiktokers that work at disneyland and world and one of the things that they're talking about is like the first thing they'll teach you is how to pick up garbage without stopping your walk so that doesn't look like you're actually picking up garbage off the floor of disneyland (laughs) and so it's like this walk and sweep thing they do um i i mean it's hard to be for for people who haven't been at disneyland before it really is like straight up magical like yeah. When you're in that place, the rest of the world doesn't matter. I couldn't tell you who the president is while I'm on a ride, you know, and it's just <laughs> such a cool place. But, you know, speaking to Bob Iger, he he agrees with that. And like he's saying, we're just putting out too much stuff right now. We need to scale it back. When Disney comes out with something, it needs to be premium content. You need to know yeah. that the next Disney animated Pixar thing is the thing you'll be talking about for decades to come. And it hasn't felt like that the last couple of years, right? And so even like with that's part of like the the price thing price, it needs to be affordable to everybody because it's all about creating the buzz of Disneyland, not like, oh, we're rich. So we're going to Disneyland more about like the mystique of it. And so I, I gotta be honest, guys, I'm just happy Bob Iger's back. I know he he has sure every CEO's got a bad pass somewhere, of course, but I don't know. I'm kind of happy with this idea of like Disneyland or Disney trying to return back to its OG roots of being classy. Yeah, and I think they should always have it. If there has to be different options or whatever, there should always be a way that any family can afford to go to Disneyland. Mm-hmm. It should be, you know, entry level pricing is as low as possible. I don't remember there was somewhere where they calculate the park entry based on minimum wage, uh, but I don't, I don't think it's Disneyland. But Comic Cons. There should always it's yeah, it should always be uh, affordable. And if you want to pay extra and have the Genie Plus thing, I get that a little bit of classism separating who can and can't afford that, but you know, there's got to be a way to, to get everyone in there to be able to experience it. The couple things I do, I I would change uh, in Disneyland is one, I, I hate waiting online. So <laughs> Genie Plus definitely helps with that. But, you know, they're, they are doing a good job with some of their rides where they, they'll bring you into the ride and they start interacting with you early. So it doesn't yeah. feel like you're waiting. And that, that kind of move the, the herd of people from this spot to that spot and then break them up into smaller groups. And then those groups get broken up and onto the ride. That little handling really does make it seem like you're waiting less. Mm-hmm. You're distracted and there's things they, they set up for you to look at while you're moving through the lines and stuff. So I think that was smart. And I think they're going to keep doing that. I saw that in the new uh, Mickey Mouse uh, train ride. What, I can't they remember did what it's that called. with Galaxy's Edge, right? That's one of the big features of the fact yeah. that you're constantly actually you're in the you're in the line, but you don't feel like you're in the line as much. Did they do yeah. that with Spider-Man as well? Uh, or not as much? Yeah, 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 yeah. They did have some kind of when we we used the uh, the fast pass on that one too. So it was, we went, didn't wait long either way. But they do. They bring you in, and there's a little introduction and handling before you get into the carts, which is kind of cool. Disneyland is so um, cool. So, yeah, they're smart. Though some of the rides still do have a really long wait. Yeah. Like especially Galaxy's Edge, but I think that process kind of makes it feel like it's a little bit less. Um, another thing is. You know, everything costs money. It, mm. It's expensive to be there, and just you know, a corn dog is going to be like eight dollars or something like yeah. that. But they're trying to kind of hide that because that's that's their business. They're they're going to make their money, but you don't want to be out there counting your pennies and you know feel like feel like they got both hands in your pockets, even though they do. <laughs> but they have those uh, uh wristbands you can get, or I don't know if they're they're not watches. I don't think, but the wristbands yeah. where you link your ticket and uh, your your bank account or your debit card or whatever to it. 
So you come in and out of the park just by scanning your wrist. You can use your fast pass just by scanning your wrist and uh, and pay for stuff. So oh, you know, man, it's too easy. <laughs> yeah, it makes it's kind of like when you're on a cruise and you just charge yeah. it to the room all the time. Yeah, you know, it's like, well, we don't handle money here. Everything's taken care of already. It's taken care of by you and your bank account, <laughs> yeah. but it's taken care of. Meanwhile, <laughs> so your bank account is sweating bullets. <laughs> Did you right? need an eighty dollars like, sweater? <laughs> why, why are we doing this? You're in the negative five hundred dollars with every twenty five dollar overdraft fee. <laughs> Oh, they give me on the cruises, man. It's like, all right, I'll take another pinna colada. What the heck? Yeah, freaking twelve bucks each. <laughs> you got to do stuff. Well, you want them. the decorative mug that comes with it, right? Well, of, well, of course, course. It's a yeah. souvenir as well. What a steal! <laughs> souvenir, yeah. Jeez. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, and some of the rides are a little dated. There's one called Autopia. We didn't actually go on, that but it's just this little like, yeah, yeah. It's like presented by Honda. I to, think still, yeah, yeah. It's time to update certain ones like that, but they. Disneyland comes out with, or Disney comes out with so much new content. When something isn't in their park, you feel like they're avoiding it for some reason. I'm like, I would, I would walk around and be like, well, they don't have anything for this movie or for that movie or, you know, this show. Like, how come that's not here somewhere? Yeah. It's just because they produce too much, you know, too, too much to be able to put Especially it all in the park. nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they're, they're working on updating. They had some rides that were closed just to be uh, renovated, but they're, they're making it harder for themselves when they're producing so much good content that people want to see it in there somewhere. It's like Splash Mountain moving over to Princess Frog. I mean, Princess Frog came out, God, 15 years yeah, ago now years at ago this point. Something? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So, uh, I think so. Well. Unless they're going to make a sequel, but. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> all right, moving on to this next one here. Funko, a company that we all spend way too much money on stuff. Well, you don't. You do good about it. They're <laughs> dumping about 30 to $36 million worth of product into a landfill just because it's cheaper than shipping it out anywhere. I, that I'm should so be pissed. illegal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, just for no other reason except for the fact that that's that's uh, ruining our environment. That's uh, yeah. just thirty million dollars. I mean, Funko Pops aren't expensive. Ten dollars a pop. You know, thirty million of them is like three million Funko Pops, right? Yeah. So, why would you just dump those in a landfill? Go give them to kids in. Donate them to to uh, St. Jude's Hospital. There we go. And tell them, you guys handle the shipping. Come pick them up and deliver them to all the kids in the hospitals that want a little plastic figurine. That's fine. They probably overproduced in the less popular characters, yeah. and that's their problem. But still, distribute them to somebody. People will repaint them to be different characters they like or customize them to be, you know, their kid for his birthday or something. But, yeah, I think that's just a terrible waste and just makes their company look really bad to be just dumping product they made well hell the nfl sends all the losing team of the super bowl they send all their shirts to africa and donate them yeah like you think they give a crap about hey actually the philadelphia eagles didn't win they don't care yeah, they just they want a shirt they're enjoying the shirt <laughs> they'll they'll play with yeah. whatever toy you could send to whoever needs it uh, yeah. obviously as somebody who buys now these aren't necessarily they didn't say if it's 100 percent funko pops funko makes other toys too but they're all toys and yeah like, as an avid collector, this is nothing compared to Squeaks, obviously. Um, it upsets me that it's like, if you're not going to send it to a charity, you could just give them away to your fans that already spend a lot of money on it or something like that. Or, I mean, just anything else than adding garbage to a landfill you don't need to and wasting yeah. product. Like, there's there's so many levels to why this is a bad idea. And Like, we, we buy stuff from an auction site that, that sells pallets. We do it all the time. Yeah. Stuff. Like, just sell them cheap to an, a third party that would like to to separate them out and make them you know you don't have to pay for shipping to get them to to walmart you know just sell them cheap locally to another distributor to handle it yeah it's so I frustrating know, 
it it's they're probably trying to control their market and i understand that but it's it's bad on that it's their fault for the problem that they're creating but if they sell it cheap locally somebody is turning around selling a ton of funko pops for a dollar a piece yeah and now Nobody thinks that it devalues the ten or twenty dollar ones that are in the store. And I will say that there's no doubt that Funko Pop is on the decline right now, just because there's less hype around every. Like both Squeaks and I, I haven't bought a Funko Pop in a few months, and I, I only buy my whole rule is like I'm not willing to take it out of the box. Don't buy it. And yeah. Squeaks' whole thing is right now is like I can't buy a new one until I get rid of some of my old ones. Like that's we're both kind of found ways to regulate ourselves. Yeah. And I think a lot of I've sounds like a lot of collectors are doing that. Even Joe too. Has kind of scaled back a little bit. Joe used to just be like buying everything. Um, so <laughs> I, I think there is something there, but use this as a PR moment, in my thing. Like, like if you're gonna give them away, make a big stink at how, like, hey, we're donating thirty million dollars worth of Funko Pops to children's hospitals. Yeah, there you go. You just got a free commercial out of it. Boom. Yeah. You know how much you gonna spend? And, and to you make could a even work with a, a charity and have them set up an event or or one that's already hosting an event somewhere and say, hey, we'll donate. 10,000 Funko Pops for you guys to give away to the, you know, needy families or, or yeah. less privileged families. Yeah, they don't care. They would obviously prefer their favorite character or whatever, but kids will take a free toy, you know, and yeah. it keeps it. It'll eventually make its way to the landfill, but it'll keep it from going straight to the landfill. That's such a waste. I just feel like there's so many better options than just throw them away. And then like you took what could have been a good PR moment into a, and turned it into a bad PR moment. And it's just crazy. Yeah. I'm wondering, do you think there's somebody that will step up and compete with Funko at some point in this, in this, you know, collectible is, kind of, yeah, it's all about the licensing. It's like Fortnite is still good because their licensing is insane. Uh, things yeah. that you couldn't think of would happen do happen. I'm like, you can play as Batman with spider webs. It's nuts. Um, so if there's somebody who can secure big licensing like that, eventually, yes. Funko just had a, like a good mix of like being really affordable. It's like eight bucks for a brand new Funko um yeah being really affordable having the really good licensing and generally looking cute is a really good trifecta there somebody will pick that up and, and carry it on it might be another five six years before something finds its way but you know i one thing I, that i really I, like is um they're doing those vinyl prints now you know like um a vinyl record actually funko pop bought a company that does it that's funny but where mm -hmm. they do like the entire record's got a print on it i've got the metalocalypse is one of them that i have there's a guardians of the galaxy yeah. one i want to get I have a feeling like that someday might be a thing where like people frame ones that have the full print on it and on it, of course, has the soundtrack to that song, which would be, I think yeah. would be really cool. I could imagine Disney, if they really wanted to, getting in this realm of competing with Funko. You know, I don't know if they could pull back the licenses that they've already made with them, but uh, yeah. they're the only ones I could imagine competing with Funko. Yeah. Though I could easily see Amazon buying Funko. Yeah. If this or other, you know, if they if they continue to decline, uh, that would be, I, I think that would be the next step is Amazon would just buy them up once they're, you know, worth a little bit less and kind of rebrand them a little bit or whatever. And then they just make a ton of money because they already have the infrastructure to ship them super easy. Yeah, I can see that. That totally seems like something Amazon would do too because they're so freaking, they're a little bit ho buy hungry right now. <laughs> they're pretty big. Yeah. yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, Yugi, Yukipedia. So the Wikipedia for Yu-Gi-Oh! Managed by fans, uh -huh. like many of these, like Wikipedia and stuff like that for Star Wars. Um, somebody, not thinking ahead of it, accidentally deleted like the last 10 years of data off the website. Deleted the USB that had it on because apparently it was all on one USB. <laughs> what the heck? So deleted all this information about Yu-Gi-Oh cards and like all the stats and stuff like that. Um, 
that guy's in trouble. But what I really like about this story is the fans united and started gathering the information to rebuild the encyclopedia now. And so fans yeah. are like, hey, these are the cards I have. I remember that this all came in this pack and uh, and really started kind of coming together with what cards they have, retaking pictures and stuff like that to upload to the site. And they're rebuilding this thing from the ground up. And I just like, it's cool to see all the Yu-Gi-Oh fans like coming out together and like uniting to build their <laughs> like database. It's a national emergency. I love yeah. it though. Like for geek stuff, like yes, that's so cool. Guys, we got to meet at the comic book shop. Quick. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your Yu-Gi-Oh deck. Stat. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, how bad does this funny. guy feel for deleting ten years of d- information though? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Uh, though I mean, has much changed in Yu-Gi-Oh for the last ten years? I, I haven't looked at it since we were kids, but yeah, but I'm sure obviously more cards have come out since yeah. then but uh, yeah that's kind of crazy that it would just be like one person could delete their whole database of 10 years yeah uh, that's funny but yeah it's cool to see fans come together for you know whatever the cause uh it's fun just to be able to find other people to relate with like that and have a purpose to work towards together so that's pretty cool in, in comparison to like magic the gathering right now which is having such a hard time because the company behind it wizard of, Co- wizard of the coast um has been incredibly greedy and has just made it so crazy. They're trying to be like Funko Pop right now. They're like making licensing with all these different companies to try to fit a, fit them into the magic world, which is stupid. But anyways, it's nice to see that Yu-Gi-Oh fandom is kind of working the other way around on this thing where it's like, hey, we're just, we just really are big fans of this and we're going to keep building it. And Yu-Gi-Oh might be like the third ranked TCG right now behind, you know, Mar- uh, Magic and Pokemon, but it's still very strong community and stuff like that. And I just, I just find it inspiring, inspiring in comparison to like super greedy magic. And then like kind of the money bags that Pokemon has been lately. Kind of nice to see. Yeah. Do you think if this D and D movie does really good, that D and D could create and compete with and create their own cards and compete with uh, magic? Oh, you know, I'm being, really surprised that it would get some have something like that. Yeah. Being that D and D already has that, that you know you've heard of it before yeah. and you know it's what the real deep geeks you know are into but then bringing it to the mainstream light in a movie it would make it a lot more relatable and creating a card game versus a tabletop game i think would make it to where high school kids would get into it a lot easier mm-hmm. so i could see if they were to do that once the movie comes out if it gets the attention they're hoping for i think that would be a good way to to capture a whole nother fan base and compete with magic if they're just trying to be super greedy D is getting really big too because it's got shows coming up and stuff like that D&D is freaking off. We need to find a way, Jonathan, to do like a monthly D&D game, I think. We got to figure this out. I would be so down. Let's just all gather at your house. That's the thing is I don't want to do it online. Like I want to do it in person. Um, I'm not saying that we need to find a dungeon master. The problem is I've I've only played one session, which or one game, which took about a year to do. um, And I had one of the best D&D dungeon masters ever with. (laughs) Uh, yeah. with richard i think i'm the best bet for, out of us to do it again to do it for somebody else yep but man you, you got it. one thing i have to admit guys you have to be okay being a complete dork ass for a bit until you warm <laughs> up like you're gonna feel like an idiot like i wouldn't do the voices because my guy was a bird type person so i wouldn't want like ah, i'm over here <laughs> but you wouldn't be doing that the whole time uh, i would love to do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, Scott was on board. Scott was like, at one point, an evil wizard. So he's like, well, I think it's all here again. Like he was in on it. Everybody has been a Kyle. Stuff, but I'm like, yeah, my bird guy says this. <laughs> we'll yeah. have to figure it out. I, I think, I think Squeaks is on board just like once a month and we get together. 
the key is to like everybody yeah. experience it. We'll go light lighthearted. But I'm like that TikTok man. It it does such a good advertising for like random shit I don't need. But I'm like seeing the complete <laughs> sets where you like build a map so you can like, you know, have people walk around on a map. It kind of helps a lot. Oh man. Okay. We'll think about if this. I, if I got my act together and got my 3D printer really dialed in, they make really cool yes. maps out of you. You print tiles with it. Like I man. do want to buy like yeah. little cleric, which is a it's a arachnophobia. I forget what it's the bird type, but he's a cleric and uh, he like worships the high spirits, which is beer. And uh, yeah, yeah dude, I think that would be really cool. So. All right, guys, we're going to we're going to start working on that. We're going to talk about monthly D&D matches. We'll see sessions. Would we we would we'd have to do like a four hour session at least. Three right? or four to hours, but there's really... a lot of beer and drinking and hanging out and, you know, and having fun yeah. with it. That the key is that everybody has to kind of like build their character first, which we might need to just like the first session might need to be Spend that a day because, yeah. yeah, because there's a lot to it more than you would think. And um, but picking a race and a class is super important. That's your first move. Yeah. And then. I start. I started looking into it when you when you started playing. I was like, oh, I got to do a lot of research to figure out what I'm gonna do because once you make your person, like that's who you are. So yeah, you don't want to mess around and be wrong about. And they something. go from session to session, really, if you want them to. So like my cleric, Gorgon, mm -hmm. he can move from session to session. So if I wanted to bring him into whatever game, I have Gorgon with yeah. me and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, here's my cleric. He's he survived this battle and this battle from other games, but that's in his resume now, and it's pretty dope. And like he's he's bound to this dragon. Well, that dragon and him. They both go together in a new session and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. And we could live stream it too if anyone cares to watch for four hours. Not the first playing. one when we're <laughs> trying to scratch our heads. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Wait a minute, guys. And you got, you know, <laughs> Daniel over there making bird sounds or whatever he does if he becomes a <laughs> goblin or something like that. It's so cool, man. All right. I'm excited <laughs> to try this out. No, no joke. I'm going to look into it. I have the starter nice. set. I, want, I keep seeing these big maps that people make. I'm like, I kind of want to make one of those maps. So. Have to make what, what do they make them out of? So normally, uh, they'll do them like out of big phone pieces, but then they'll like stack phone pieces up to where like, oh, this is what it, like a, this looks like a wall uh, over here, the tower. Yeah, yeah. Because okay, I mean the world is endless, really, right? Pretty much, you could do whatever you wanted, but um, it's funny how like, oh yeah, our whole thing is to stop Cthulhu from taking over the world, but there's this cave that they keep hearing whispers out of. So let's go check out this cave, and the entire next two days is spent exploring this cave. And in it, you might find the greatest gem ever that actually empowers you to do this thing. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. I had so much fun and it's in this one cave. Oh, that's right. We got to go fight Cthulhu. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, right. oh, it's super good. My One of my favorite sessions that I felt bad because I ended up taking a lot of the time, but we accidentally stole almost infinite gold. And so we had pretty much infinite gold. And then I spent most of one of the sessions um basically bribing and talking my way through this political system of this island that had it was in the middle of an election and siding one with one of the candidates and then convincing the people to go with that candidate and he became president so that we could eventually <laughs> and it was like it was just mostly me talking about politics the whole time like within this island economy <laughs> and having enough money to just oh bribe gosh. everybody oh god it was so much fun <laughs> that's so funny moving on to the news <laughs> <laughs> no 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 <laughs> me too man me too all right, so uh, there's a couple big things I want to talk about. There's been an interview. This is from Den of Geeks. Check out Den of Geeks, guys. I really appreciate their work. This is from Joe George that wrote this. Uh, but he was mentioning how uh, one of the Marvel directors that's going to be working on Fantastic Four, which is, I think it's, sorry, let me just take a quick, It's yeah, it's Matt Shackman. Um, he's working on Fantastic Four. He was working on the Star Trek movies that had like Chris Pine as, as Kirk. Mm -hmm. And he says that really Fantastic Four felt 
like just making a new Star Trek. And mm -hmm. a lot of that boils down to community, exploration, acceptance of all people, new worlds, you know, stuff like that. What do you think Star Trek can add to both the Fantastic Four and the Marvel Universe that it's missing right now? So one thing that Marvel doesn't do very much very well, and I it annoys me sometimes, but you just got to play along with it because it's kids' movies. Uh, you know, we're not the target audience most of the time. Mm -hmm. uh, is they don't explain the science behind what they're doing. And Ooh, yeah. I love, in Star Trek, the techno babble, the fake science they make up that they make it sound like it makes sense and yeah. it's believable. And when they do a good job with it, they carry on the logic that was developed with that terminology so that later on when they say, you know, he has to generate a quantum field or whatever, you're like, oh, well, yeah, that works the same way it did six episodes ago when they yeah. did it that way. But they're adding this other trick to it or other <laughs> element. It's like, oh, that's so cool. That's, it's cohesive. It's stuff that isn't in our world or in our you know reality now, but they make it so. And a lot of stuff in the MCU is just kind of shoehorned together or it, it don't worry. It just fit. Yeah. And it's like, just give us a, just make up some words, give us some fake science behind why that works. And we can, you know, something we can grab on, but they don't, I get it. That's fine. But I think that would be a really cool thing they can explore in, uh, the fantastic four is a little more of that science in sci-fi. Yeah. I think, I think one of the big benefits to Star Trek that I think is kind of an unsung hero about it is it's the version of the future where we win, right? Yeah. Every time you see something about the future, even Star Wars, which I know is a long, long time ago, land far, far away. There's still like, oh, yeah, you know, or like Terminator. Oh, yeah, the robots beat us. Or, oh, it's post-apocalyptic. Everything's post-apocalyptic. In Star Trek, we figured out warp. We found a federation. We are spreading hope and joy, and we're all about science now. Like, it's mm -hmm. just the happy ending. And yeah. I like the idea of this optimistic look on both humanity and science that I think Marvel could use. Because, like, if you look at Ultron, it's just like, yeah, when we use too much science, it becomes one of our biggest enemies. Mm -hmm. If if that works, though, then we're going to have, like, robotic peacekeepers helping everywhere under the control of somebody we did like, Tony Stark. So, I mean, there's like, there is some optimism there and I would like to see that where it's like, you know, to, to kind of explain Mr. Fantastic, you walk into a room and he's like, hey, check out this new tech. It changes colors and it adapts to your skin so it could replace skin for burn victims. And then he like shows off this tech and all of a sudden it's like, wow, what a great cure for a thing I didn't really think about we needed, you know, or yeah. like, hey, look at this. This isn't nothing now, but it might lead to the cure of cancer. Like that's how he, that's how he greets people in comparison yeah. to like, you know, the doom and gloom of Magneto that's like, oh, mutants are, you know, being mistreated. Let's destroy half the... It's like, that's good and all. I get that that's good storytelling. Sometimes you just want to hear Mr. Fantastic being like, the future is tomorrow or today, yeah. you know? And that's another thing. Like you're saying, in Star Trek, it's all about hope. It's a, a hopeful future that Gene Roddenberry, you know, built for us. Uh, I like that, like, there's no... There's no racism or, or discrimination. Right. Or when there is, it's being used as an example of you know, how we can't tolerate or why we can't tolerate that kind of stuff. Good call. Or the simple concept that money doesn't exist in the Federation. <laughs> yeah. It's like there's no currency because we created the technology. We worked together and made unlimited energy, unlimited food and resources because we have the technology to create the resources out of thin air pretty much. And so like, imagine how a world interacts when nothing costs anything. You just have whatever yeah. you want, have as much as you want. And then, you know, kind of greed goes away. There's a lot less ability for power and control over each other and stuff like that. So I think that'd be interesting to see those kind of elements 
uh, added to the MCU. And how cool would it be to have a hero that's talking like that? In comparison yeah. to like, you know, last ditch effort to save the world or something like that. I, you know, I would like to hear a hero that's just like, look, tomorrow we could have everything we want and we and everybody could be peaceful. I, that would be hopeful. I, this has me more hyped for Fantastic Four than anything else. And, yeah. You know. I, I It makes me think, so we know the scroll invasion thing's coming on and we as as an audience and, and based on what we've seen in the MCU, we would naturally think there's humans and superheroes and, you know, we are us against these you know, alien invasion, the scrolls. Right. What if, uh, what was his name? Uh, the Fantastic Four. They see that that perspective of maybe these scrolls aren't bad guys. Maybe they're not our enemy. One hundred percent thing they would do too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ma- maybe we need to get to know them before we start fighting them. And you know, they they have that hopeful perspective of like, you know, are humans right? Maybe humans need to scale back on what they're doing because we're actually causing this corruption we caused thanos to come here and try to destroy all of us or whatever you yeah. know a different perspective that we would naturally think of as greedy selfish humans the big the big elephant in the room too is that uh kang of course we all know kang uh mm-hmm. is a descendant of of reed richards so at some point I didn't know that that's crazy yeah so not uh, a descendant he's a kang we all know right now don't worry about it guys he's a bad guy but eventually there are like Iron Lad comes from him. There, there are like good heroes that come out of the Kang line because if you take one of the multi million uh, Kangs and you like switch a little knob in him or a little bit of this, all of a sudden he's like, Yeah, I'm a good guy and I happen to be really good at science. And you know, mm-hmm. stuff. There's that too. But um, yeah, I, I look forward to seeing that same thing with Dr. Doom, right? Their big villain is a guy who's like, we've talked about this in the past, but he's literally a guy who's a ruler of his nation. We'll use magic science together because he sees them both as a way of control energy. So gargoyles. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, and I like that. It's not that, just that he's like, oh, I'm trying to destroy all humanity. It's like, I'm trying to make sure that my people survive no matter what. And it's like, that's a pretty good bad guy. <laughs> you can't hate him. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, I mean, Darth Vader just wanted to bring order to, you know, disordered civilizations, right? I'm watching... Uh, Star Wars Rebels right now and it's like so many things it was like oh yeah they were mean all the time I was like sure seems like they're keeping con- keeping the peace in a lot of ways yeah. <laughs> alright somebody has to be the law right? <laughs> yeah. uh, alright uh, sticking in the Marvel world uh, Ant-Man 3 has experienced the biggest drops in its uh, following weeks in all of Marvel franchise history uh, did well in the opening gate fell out of nowhere and now Creed's number one Jonathan, do you feel like Marvel's doing that more and more? Where they're like kind of just as long as we do good day one, we're fine and walk away from it? Well, I think they don't rely on box office sales as much as everybody else does. Mm. They know this movie pushes along their story and it helps with uh subscriptions to their Disney Plus mm-hmm. where they cuz if if you're going to keep moving along with the MCU, you got to catch all that, you know, the uh, Disney Plus streamed stuff content. So to them, yeah, the the box office sales aren't a big deal to them. They have a ton of merchandise that's going to sell. And, you know, this gets attention in their parks and stuff like that with the new stuff they have there. And, they, yeah, they're not worried so much about that as they are the next movie that it's going to push along and how it's going to continue yeah. their story for the future. Comparing this I thought to... It was, I thought it was a good movie, too. I, I didn't hate it. it. I didn't hate it. I think, you know, yeah. there's a MODOK. I think they could have cut MODOK. Uh, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Say you're, say you're a huge fan, like 10 out of 10 on both this and the first Iron Man. And returning mm-hmm. back to our Bob Iger discussion, do you think there's something Bob Iger could do to make that 
that Disney premium content where we make less but better. And and I'm saying that you're a super fan of both these movies. So you're just thinking about like, yeah, you could tell there is a difference between the two movies and when they released. Because my big pitch, I was saying this on headlines, is I went back to watch Iron Man multiple times. I definitely have zero interest in doing that for Ant-Man. And I'm not, I can't really pin why. I So I didn't see Ant-Man when it first came out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until last year that the I watched Ant-Man movie, yeah. the, the first two. Yeah. And I liked him. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I didn't watch it because it seemed like it was going to be too silly or, or whatever. And maybe it's because I didn't have the pressure on me of this is an I this is Iron Man quality movie or this is the MCU cliffhanger kind of thing. But just watching it later on after the story had already progressed past it, it was a fun movie. It was a good if if it wasn't part of the MCU, I totally would have just watched that movie because it was interesting. Um, and the first one, especially, I think it was was my favorite, mm-hmm. probably of probably my favorite of all three, really. Yeah, same for uh, me. But. I, I, yeah, I for your question though, I don't know. I don't know what you could do to really bring it back to be like the original Iron Man, except for maybe I, I don't want them to slow down on the content they produce because I love to see these new movies coming out all the time. But Iron Man hadn't had much before it, much of any value. Yeah. Spider Man and Hulk were the only things that maybe were on the radar before Iron Man came out, and Superman movies, but it's not not really in the same world. I think or same wheelhouse. Right. Um. So. I think maybe spacing out their movies a little more builds a little more anticipation and stuff, but I don't want them to slow down. I want to keep seeing them as soon as I can get them. Uh, but I think that is, and scaling back, I mean, the, yeah, making them a little less CGI dependent, more about story. And the concept of the MCU, the fact that all your heroes oh, are all see. interconnected and stuff like that, that kind of, it, it, it degrades the value of each hero. I think Yeah. if you have, you know, if you have a standalone Iron Man movie and Iron Man is the hero of the planet, he is the most powerful person and he just lands in some other country, destroys their army. Now those people are liberated, you know, obviously somebody has to come in and help structure a new government, but yeah, he, he can do so, everything. Well, so he, United States of us right now <laughs> to say that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he can do that, but then Thor can do that, but on another planet mm-hmm. and you know, Ant-Man can destabilize the government from inside and you have all these different people that can do so much different amazing things they're just not as great it did so yeah i think kind of scaling back on how what how well they're intertwined which really ant-man wasn't too much uh i, th- I think it was just kang well, that was, was coming pretty in much from just somewhere setting else. up kang though it was like trying to build up kang as like the big but you're right like with with iron man it was the entire movie was just one single story and then at the mm-hmm. very end we had a little bit of a sneak peek with uh, Samuel Jackson coming out and saying, hey, let me tell you about the Avengers initiative. So that was yeah. just the one piece you had that was connected to anything else. And maybe they could do that more. I think Thor was kind of that way too, where like Thor was all just one thing except yeah. for the fact that it was like, who was movies. working with the hammer? Like somebody, like they were trying to figure out how to deal with the hammer. And then if you knew like, oh, that's shield and that guy with the bow and arrow happens to be Hawkeye. But outside of that, yeah. you wouldn't have known. I think that's a good example of one too. Yeah. You know, so I like of the Avengers and them all coming together, but I think they're stronger independently. So yeah. if you introduce a new character, don't introduce him as him joining, you know, the Spider-Man in a fight. Yeah. Introduce him in his own standalone movie, and then maybe he'll join in later when he's needed or something. But they don't all have to be yeah. woven together so well. People like it. It's been doing good. They're making a ton of money, a lot more than I make. So <laughs> they they know what they're doing. Uh, but yeah, I think that might help to kind of 
keep them a little more I think isolated. The first Doctor Strange movie is the last one that I could think of that was like, or maybe like the first Black Panther movie. And even that was already like super connected in the MCU. Like that first Doctor Strange movie felt like, oh, this is a, a section of the world we don't know. And, mm-hmm. and it felt very contained to that one thing. And then when he's doing with Dora Mamu, it almost felt like a Harry Potter kind of thing. Like, oh, we just yeah. didn't know this part of our world existed yet. And so we're learning about it. Like, I, I liked that movie a lot, too. Um, yeah. I'm getting the itch to watch Marvel movies again. I haven't seen a lot of those classics <laughs> in a long time. I'm trying to watch all the Star Wars movies. I'm, I want to yeah. like watch them with, with my wife, maybe my son, try to get them into it, go one by one. And if I do that enough times, eventually she'll see all of it. You're starting with the prequels, <laughs> but, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At Darth Maul. Those, those, I think, are a little easier to get her hooked on, too, because yeah. they're a little more flashy. But Also, I don't remember most of the story. Now that I look back and I'm like, I don't remember who does what with who and how this actually all pieces together. It's been so long since I've seen them, so I gotta watch them in order just to really get the the politics within the movies. Yeah. Is what I don't remember. The the Separatist so. Alliance. I didn't think about it all until I was an adult. Like I watched those things in like when I was in ninth grade. So the first one. And so the idea of separatist and like what does that mean and stuff like that didn't mean anything to me. I just thought yeah. robots. They're the bad guys. They're the robots. <laughs> but then when you're yeah. older, you're like, oh, they wanted to leave the Republic and start their own mm-hmm. thing and they were being shady about it and stuff like that. It's so like, okay, that makes sense. And yeah, that's one of the things that that, that movie got n- railed on in the beginning was that it was like, Oh, it's just too political. Like it's, it's, it's all this political intrigue when it's like, we just want to see Jedi's fight. And uh, <laughs> I, I really like it though. Looking back at it, I think that was pretty cool. Like the whole Naboo stuff and all that. I think it's really cool. Yeah. I'm trying. <laughs> so the parents are watching the Mandalorian. So I go over there to their house to watch it with them and kind of explain what's going on. And, yeah. um, and uh, dad, our, our dad, he's having a, a little bit of a difficult time understanding the fact that like everything you're seeing as wacky as it might be has a name explanation, a Wikipedia page about it, <laughs> everything you're yeah. seeing. And so like yeah. Mando gets the Naboo fighter and I'm like, let me explain. This is my favorite ship of all of Star Wars. It's from <laughs> Naboo. Uh, when we first saw it, when Anakin, like one of the big things was when Anakin stole one. Like this thing is the hot rod to me of all starfighters, and then he he starts to yeah. like the ship too. But it's just kind of funny to for him to be like, he's like, "What is That's this?" And thing? I'm like, yeah, well, like, yeah, he's like, "What is this?" I'm like, "Okay, so this is Beskar armor, and it comes from the steel. It comes from this planet. <laughs> it was so it's like everything has a detail to it." And he's just like, yeah. I, "Okay," <laughs> he's liking the show, but it's like so much information that's available for you if you want it's it. Like taking a a picture from world war two and asking about, you know, things that are in the picture. It's like, well, yeah, this is this kind of tank and that's that kind of rifle and stuff like that. Yeah. Those things really existed and have an entire history to them. <laughs> yeah. But you know, they build the world so well that everything you see in the show has some kind of backstory to it. Yeah, there's like a thousand like books it. for star Wars that people have written and that all are have named everything. Like everything's named for it. Yeah. And so it's just funny it's to see somebody new to star Wars being like, what? <laughs> there's so much information here. You know, it's just a, Anyways, I wonder if anyone's put together a book that has all the different alien races that have been on screen. Seems like they would from be, right? Star Wars. Yeah, that just kind of like, let's get, you know, they make so many different weird looking characters just to catch your eye. Mm-hmm. So I imagine a book where it shows the snapshot of like where they were seen in a movie or something like that and explain the name of their race and some of their just, you know, a paragraph about the features of their people or something like that. That'd be kind of cool. One of the meta things that happens a lot too, especially with Mandalorian because they're good about it, but like when the droids go up and they try to manipulate technology. And they put the probe in and they turn it. And it's like, they have like advanced robotics Wi-Fi. and stuff like that. Why is this thing that's so <laughs> old school, you know, mechanical? It's like, 
Yeah, you gotta remember, it's 1977 that the original Star Wars was made, and they have to use R2-D2, which takes place like a year before this event, you know? <laughs> but it was made in 1977, yeah. so you have to make the technology kind of mix, and that's part mm -hmm. of the appeal of Star, Star Wars, is that it's like, the holograms are real shitty. <laughs> holograms, actually. <laughs> but they're still holograms, you know, stuff like that, so it's just funny. Yeah. We have to pretend it's technology well beyond what we could understand. Yeah. So Wi-Fi wouldn't be able to work because it could be hacked. So they have to use a security key that's inside his little probe yeah. that justifies what he's doing. And then now he's doing a combination lock or something. Yeah, there's like yeah. zero touchscreens in all of Star Wars, too. And it's like, we're way past that in, in IRL. Yeah. You know? But yeah, <laughs> right. it is what it is. Um, all right, let's move on to Warner Brothers right now. They're making more Lord of the Rings movies, Jonathan. Uh, they have mm. set up this huge, gigantic deal. Uh, it will not touch anything from the rings of power that Amazon's doing. Cause Amazon, basically this is going to kind of nerf their series. I think in my opinion, um, they are bringing on Peter Jackson for this. Uh, and the new movies are not remakes. They're going to be new stories told at the same time as Lord of the Rings. Is there anything in particular that you want told from the Lord of the Rings era? Oh God. So I haven't read the book, so I don't know what else, what else goes right, on there, but yeah, yeah I, I love, uh, I loved all of them. Honestly, uh, but I like in the like the Fellowship of the Ring how you see how the hobbits live in just their whatever you call it in the Shire. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it'd be cool to kind of explore the cultures of these different. I mean, we saw the um, the gnomes. Is it in the Hobbit? Like we got the to, dwarves. Dwarves, yeah. yeah. We got to know their culture a lot more yeah. in that. So I think it, let's go back to to the Shire and get to know the hobbits a lot better. But I don't know. I saw. Do you, do they have any ideas of what it's actually going to be about? No, they don't yet. The they movies? just said that they're going to make more movies uh, and that they're trying to get Peter Jackson to make them. Yeah. Somebody on TikTok who, because there's a couple of TikTokers I follow that are like, they'll sit there and explain like, oh, this is why this thing is this. And of course, like Star Wars, there's a name. There's a purpose for absolutely everything you see. And yeah. somebody brought up a really good idea. Like, what if we were to get an origin story for Aragon that explains him joining the Rangers? So we have this yeah. kid who like, has left the kingdom. He's trying to forget his past because, of course, you know, his sealed door and stuff like that did all the wrong decisions. So he's trying to leave his his kingdom this behind. Might get on his own. And then he, like, is raised with these elves and learns elvish ways. He'd be like this outside, almost Jungle Book style. And then becomes this ranger that's like a mix of, like, elven technology or, and philosophy into... So that could be a really cool story, is, is hearing the... And just pit him against some sort of Sauron mini-boss and you'll be set. You know who's one of my favorite characters, though, is Saruman. That'd be cool to yes. see kind of him as a story that shows him as a good guy and growing yeah. in power. And then he, you know, is corrupted. But that'd be kind of cool. Somebody brought up a really good point. This is a few years ago. Like Saruman in the Council of White, I think it's called, where it's him, Galadriel and Gandalf. Galadriel and Gandalf were disobeying him at every turn. Like, they were always D-backs. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, oh, we need to make sure to keep the the Hobbit and the dwarves here to talk about this this mission that they're on. This is dangerous. Meanwhile, Galadriel and Gandalf are like, they're already escaped. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. <laughs> like, yeah. they're talking behind his back the entire time. It's like, of course he went to the one guy who respected him, Sauron, you know? <laughs> like, how could you blame him? Um, but that would be yeah. cool to see, like, his descent into corruption. And then eventually, yeah. like, tried. I would like to see, like, Saruman try to do good with Sauron. Like, maybe that was something that he was trying to do. Because he's still yeah. Saruman the White. It wasn't like he was just like, I'm now fury and blood. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Or, yeah, if he's, is he think he can use Sauron to get the power 
you know, the, the rings of power and then, you know, use it against him and, you know, banish him, you know, I don't know, something like that. Yeah. But now he has good purpose, but then in the process he does turn, he does become corrupted and loses his grasp. So I don't know. Yeah. Be cool. And then there's the shadow of war storyline. I would like for them to do at some point too, which is pretty, oh, all of games, this, but yeah. it's like, it's the creation of the rings. Um, and, and basically the, the guy who was, told to make the rings he's dead now but he's haunting one of the rangers and the two work together like you get to to try to like be a thorn in the side and you're like you're literally just going from like you're bringing down saruman or sauron frontal force like bringing an army and like capturing his castles and stuff like that and taking him out one piece at a time like that constant battle would be a very game of thrones like thing so i would like to see it yeah. you know um, all right, guys, yeah. we're going to close out with that. We have much more to discuss. Head to our website, by the way. It's either geekfreakspodcast.com, thegeekfreakspodcast.com, or even if you like it short, gfpods.com. Everything we discussed today, I wrote a full article for on our website. Uh, and if you guys watch headlines or listen to headlines on your podcast app, those scripts are exactly right here. So you guys could check all the news right away. And I got to admit, I do pretty good with them. But uh, <laughs> even our top fives, I recently did top five Mario games and uh, top five women in video games for uh, Women's Month. So check it out, guys. That's uh, geekfreakspodcast.com. Before we leave, next week we have a new question of the week. Uh, head over to our Twitter. When this is releasing, it'll be out. The question is going to be, who's your favorite superhero? Nice and easy. Jonathan, you got any teasers for what yours is? Oh, that's hard. I think right off the top, I'm going to have to go Green Lantern, though the recent yeah. movie has not been great on him. But in general, he's one of one of my favorite heroes for sure yeah i think for mine i'm a super basic b i'm like batman and wolverine are my favorites it <laughs> <laughs> mm. is the series where they partner up together oh man well i mean oh. in the batman versus wolverine have a fight well yeah right there is the amalgam universe where they join and they're called dark claw where they like combine a marvel and dc oh, hero yeah it's called dark claw nice. and it's the most like tattoo looking mother hutter ever <laughs> like that needs to be on my arm now make it happen <laughs> right. so yeah all right, guys, That'd so cool. head over to our Twitter or Instagram, answer that question, and we'll read your response. We'll try to uh, on the on the uh, next episode. We'll also read it in reviews. So if you review our podcast, we'll read those as well. Um, thank you again very much for joining me, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.